So the epistle this morning, the epistle is from Romans chapter 5, beginning at verse 12. And Paul is talking to the church in Rome, and he says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death came through sin, and so death spread to all because all have sinned, sin was indeed in the world before the law, but sin is not reckoned when there is no law. Yet death exercised dominion from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sins were not like the transgression of Adam, who is a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died through the one man's trespass, much more surely have the grace of God and the free gift in the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for the many. And the free gift is not like the effect of the one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brings justification. If because of the one man's trespass, death exercised dominion through that one, much more surely will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness exercise dominion in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, just as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all, so one man's act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all. For just as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. That's a great passage of Scripture, Pastor. What exactly is Paul trying to tell us? Paul, in his letter to the Romans, outlines for us the original systematic theology. That's a fancy term, isn't it? Systematic theology. He explains throughout the entirety of the letter the process and the practice of Christianity. That's what systematic theology is. Now, the Synoptic Gospels, which we have been studying in Wednesday night Bible study, that's Matthew, Mark, and Luke, give us the teachings of Jesus and a narration of his life and his ministry. And the Gospel according to John gives us what it all means in a deeply spiritual way. And then the epistle of Romans explains for us how that all works. Does that make sense? Paul wrote Romans, and it was the process and practice of what it is to be a Christian. And all these other theologies and systematic theologies that come later, that, that people study and spend many, many years in seminary getting their, their uh, masters and then their doctorates, all of that comes from Paul. So he explains to us how this works. So here in this chapter, Paul has explained to us how the original sin 
committed by the first Adam. Adam means man. So by the first man, with a whole lot of help, by the way, of the first woman, Eve. Not casting any stones, but let's just get it all out here on the table. I'm going to hear about that later, aren't I? Sorry. Rule number one, never preach about this when your wife is sitting on the front row. How the original sin has impacted all of humanity even to this day. Now, make no mistake, the responsibility of the original sin belongs wholly squarely on the shoulders of the first man. Doesn't matter who picked the apple. Doesn't matter who handed it over to him. The responsibility was his alone. Paul contrasts the impact of that original sin with the impact of the second Adam, the second man, Jesus, who through, here's the word, the atonement of his perfectly sinless life and death on the cross, wiped the debt clean for all humankind forever. Paul says, you know the story of how Adam landed us in this dilemma that we're in. This first sin. So then it was, after the first sin, it was death. And no one was exempt from either sin or death. And that sin disturbed this relationship that we have with God in everything and everyone. It permeated all of creation. Nothing and no one was exempt from the effects of that original sin. But the extent of that disturbance in the relationship wasn't made clear until God spelled it out in detail to Moses. That's why Paul is saying, from Adam to Moses. So death, this huge abyss that separates us from God, it dominated the landscape from Adam to Moses. It dominated the entire human experience. And even those who didn't sin just exactly like Adam did by disobeying the specific command of God, they still had to experience this termination of life, this death, this separation from God. They're still bound to that. And here's the thing that Paul is trying to point out to us. Adam, the first Adam, who got us into this is also pointing us to the one who will get us out of it. Paul's going to explain that to us. See, Adam is typical of every one of us. Man or woman, makes no difference. He's typical of every one of us. He represents the sinful condition of all humans everywhere. And Jesus, on the other hand, stands for the justification of, of all people who receive him by faith. Hang with me here. This is deep stuff. It's basic stuff. It's important that you understand how we got where we are. How we got into the condition that we are. So that we all realize together just exactly why it is we need a savior. Right? So the story of redemption is really the story of these two men. One, the first one, who disobeyed God, 
and took the whole human race down the wrong path. And the other, the second one, the one who obeyed God and provided justification, that is salvation. Justification is just another word for salvation. For all who turn away from sin and turn to him in faith. It doesn't matter how terrible, how devastating the sin of the first man was. The work of the second man, the redemptive work of Jesus in his life and in his death on the cross, that work reversed the consequences of the original sin and every other sin that came after that. Every sin that's going on now and every sin that will come, that we will commit because we're not perfect in the future. That's kind of mind-boggling, isn't it? Indeed, it reversed the consequences of that sin. It is doing it now. It will forever reverse the consequences of all sin and restore all people to the favor and righteousness of holy God. What an incredible gift that is. We simply have to grasp the seriousness of our human condition and of the sin that we find ourselves in because of the first man so that we can understand just how very much we need grace, mercy, and redemption that's only made possible by the second man, by Jesus. And then Paul tries to explain to us, and I think he does an adequate job, We just have to be willing to take the time to understand it. He explains that there's a difference between the results of Adam's sin and the results of Jesus' redemptive work. And to do that, I want to read Romans 5, 15 through 19 from the message version of the Bible. I think it's a little bit more understandable. It says... Yet the rescuing gift is not exactly parallel to the death-dealing sin. If one man's sin put crowds of people at the dead-end abyss of separation from God, just think what God's gift poured through one man Jesus Christ will do. There's no comparison between that death-dealing sin and this generous life-giving gift. What does he mean by that? He says the verdict on that one sin was the death sentence. So when original sin happened, God said, I got no choice but to condemn you all to death. The verdict on the many sins that followed, however, because of Jesus, was life. Let that sink in for a minute. You know that word selah that comes after the Psalms? That means stop and contemplate that for just a moment. The verdict on the one sin, the original sin, was death. But Jesus happened. And then the verdict on the many sins that followed, for those that believe on Him, is life. That's amazing to me. If death got the upper hand through one man's wrongdoing, can you imagine the breathtaking recovery life makes? Sovereign life. 
in those who grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift, this grand setting everything right that the one man Jesus Christ provides. And the question for all of us in this Lenten season is, have you grabbed the life gift of Jesus Christ with both hands? Have you? Have you grabbed that gift with both hands? Because Paul says, here it is in a nutshell. Just as one person did it wrong and got us all in this trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got us all out of it. But more than just getting us out of trouble, he got us into life. One man said, no to God and put many people in the wrong and one man said yes to God and put everybody in the right. So what do we do this morning with this systematic theology? You're going to walk out of here going, I learned about systematic theology in church this morning. What do we do with this systematic theology that Paul has given us today? What do we do with this gift of redemption that God has given us through Jesus Christ? These are the questions that we need to reflect upon in these 40 days of Lent. See, sin and death are the order of the day for all humankind. Eternal separation from God is where all of us are headed because of our sin, except for Jesus. Except that when we believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior, when we accept Him, when we receive Him, when we can receive that free gift of redemption by simply confessing with our mouth and believing in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, then Jesus paid the debt. When we do that, our sin debt is paid in full, all of it wiped clean. Why wouldn't you want to grab that with both hands? And hold on to it? Why would anybody? Well, the answer is many just don't understand. And whose job is it to tell them? It's ours, all of ours. So, what we must do from the moment that we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior is commit. There's that word again, it just keeps popping up. Commit to learning all we can, sharing all we can to whoever we can, and continue to grow in Christ. Continue to be more and more like Him, living our lives according to His example, and by loving God and loving our neighbors as ourselves. That is the sanctification part of this systematic theology, this way of salvation that we are on together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Sanctification, it's a very John Wesley word. It has to do with the process, the systematic theology, the way that we get from being in original sin to being sinners 
And during that time, up until the time we say Jesus Christ is Lord and accept Him into our heart as Lord and Savior, from the time of original sin through the time that we first placed foot on the earth at our birth, up until the time we admit that Jesus Christ is Lord, we call that justification. Many churches call that salvation. From the time that we accept Jesus Christ as Lord until the time that we reach glory, we are on a journey of sanctification. Where every day through learning, through prayer, through studying, through coming to church, through going to Bible study, to being involved in the community of the body of Christ, to being in fellowship with believers here at church, all of that as we grow day by day, step by step into a person who is more and more every day like Christ. Sanctification. So what do we do with all this systematic theology? It's really much more simple even than the title. You ready? You ready for it? Live lives worthy of the gift of life you have been given. Live your life worthy of the sacrifice that Jesus made for you on the cross at Calvary. Live your life worthy of the Almighty God who loved you so much that He gave His only begotten Son. That those who believe on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Live a life worthy of that. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.